Well, the WCC may still be dominated by the Gonzaga Bulldogs, but the level of recruiting around the conference has improved quite a bit in the past couple of years. Here to break down some recruiting classes for two of Gonzaga's conference foes is recruiting analyst Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I'd also like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. Terms and conditions apply. All right, thrilled again to be joined by Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated. Uh, Jason and I talked a lot about Gonzaga's non-conference opponents and some of the incoming freshmen that are going to be on those squads for Alabama and Michigan State and Baylor and Texas and Kentucky and all those excellent teams that Gonzaga's playing outside of the conference schedule, but... But there are a couple programs within the WCC who brought in some high-level talent as well. Jason, I want to start by talking about Gonzaga's real nemesis in the WCC. That is, of course, the Gales of St. Mary's. Certainly, BYU is, has been a rival in the past, but it's always been about Randy Pennant and St. Mary's. Kind of a unique program, and they kind of have to recruit unique-style players. Uh, they got themselves a pair of pretty good ones, uh, Aiden Mahaney and Joshua Jefferson coming in. Yeah. For the class of 2022, can you talk to me a little bit about what those guys bring to the table? I've, I've only seen um, Aiden. A co- I've, mm-hmm. I've seen him at a couple different tournaments over the last um, during his senior year run. But I've always left yeah. there yeah. being very impressed with him um, because the, I always take it like this. Like I, I wasn't watching him specifically, mm-hmm. but I left there remembering him. Mm-hmm. If that makes you know what I'm saying. So that mm-hmm. uh, that's always something I use as a a measuring stick sometimes when I, when I'm not familiar as familiar with the recruit that I'm uh, yeah. at a tournament that I'm at. And so he was always a guy that called my eye just cause he plays very confidently um, mm-hmm. plays. Um, you know, obviously he's a three level scorer and he, he's really, really shifty. Right. Mm-hmm. So he, he's going to um, create a lot of separation and get his three point shot off, which is very efficient because mm-hmm. um, he scores at all three levels, but because you have to respect his three point shot and you push yeah. up on him, and he's going by you because I think that's the best part of his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you really play into his hand when you when and defenders do it all the time that I've yeah. seen him. They always want to press up on him because they think they can rattle him. But yeah, like he'll hit him with a crossover and they'll be like, oh, oh, oh <laughs> and then he'll like step back. He's yeah. like, you know, he. I don't want to. I don't want to say the name Steph Curry, but he he has he's shifty like that. Yeah, you know, not, sure. not Steph Curry. But right. he's shifty like that. Like, so you mm-hmm. can't you can't play him up like that. But and then he has a really keen eye, great vision, great facilitator. Yeah. Um, so uh really high IQ guy. He'll probably have a curb from a strength standpoint. I think he's really mm-hmm. thin. Uh, he's yeah. always I've never I haven't even over the course of a year, I thought he was even thinner when I saw mm-hmm. him. Like most guys pick up weight. I didn't see him pick, but I mean he's having uh a lot of success this summer. So I think mm-hmm. he's gonna be a guy that obviously he's gonna step in and contribute mm-hmm. right away so um you know that's that's a big get for them then josh jefferson's a big body i i, I was very 
very impressed with him during his senior year because mm -hmm. um, I got on to Liberty because they, they were in our um, power 25 that we do at SB live. And right. So they were the guys that knocked off the, you know, the powerhouse Bishop Gorman, mm -hmm. and the intricate part of that average 17 and 10 in the senior year, just a big body. I think he's around 235, 240, yeah. around about six, eight, six, nine. Um, another high IQ guy who mm -hmm. uh, does a lot, uh, you know, from the high post. So he operates from the high post. You can run the offense through him mm -hmm. really smart, makes the right play at all times. Um, can definitely score in the low post, but he's, he's, I think he thrives as a facilitator and a yeah. guy who's a playmaker for himself and his teammates. So two big gets guys that are, you guys are not going to like over yeah. the next couple years for sure. Especially Aiden. Cause he, yeah. he, he plays real confident and that tends to rub fans the wrong way. Oh man, St. Mary's has had a, a litany of frustrating guards uh, <laughs> dating back to Matthew Delavadova, Patty Mills, oh, uh, plenty of guys yeah. in between then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I wanted to kind of to stay on St. Mary's a little bit. Uh, we've we've talked in the past about Gonzaga's the high pace that they play and kind of how the offense, the free flowing offense, getting out in transition a lot is very appealing to prospects. Well, you look at St. Mary's and they do things a little bit differently. Their, their offense is much more structured. They, you know, like to use 25 to 28 seconds of the shot clock pretty much every time. And, and certainly it works for them. They win a lot of games. They beat Gonzaga more than just about anybody in the country yeah. does. So clearly it's a recipe for success in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I wonder, you know, if you look at Coach Bennett out on the recruiting trail, how, how much, how, how, picky they may have to be to find guys who fit their system and how challenging it might be to convince a guy to come to a team where they average 58 points per game, as opposed to, you know, a Gonzaga or an Arizona or some of those other high level West coast programs that, that do a lot more scoring. Yeah. Tony Bennett has the same problem, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, they're not coming for mm -hmm. uh, Chet Holmgren. You know, mm -hmm. what I'm like, mm -hmm. I, they're not putting a whole lot of, of, of resources into trying to get sure. five star and even honestly, um, high level four star guys. They yeah. they go after system guys because Josh and Aiden are definitely system, especially sure. Josh. Um, Aiden can kind of, you know, freelance a little bit. Right. But Josh is a system guy like he needs structure. And I, mm -hmm. I think they go after guys that are aware of that. And they and they sell them on the fact that, hey, you had all this success yeah. in your system. But it's because. It's you're you're talented, but the system mm -hmm. is going to help you uh, right. reach your goals. And that's the sell. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? You can sell that to a mid-level four guy, four star yeah. guy, three star guy. You can sell that. But, you know, high mm -hmm. level four who thinks they should be a five. They're like, yeah. get this guy out of here. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to the league one and done, baby. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> so they're not going after those guys. They're right. Not, they're not coming for Keontae George, MJ Rice. Right. Smith. They never get no mail from them. Yeah. No, because it's a waste of time. But yep. um, a system guy would, you know, obviously thrive in that system. And, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and then they're like, hey, you can have all the you know, TV time you want, but we, we'll see you in March. Yeah, exactly. So there's a selling point, too. Yeah. 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 Wanted to talk about another team in the WCC team that we don't talk about a lot uh, in in terms of how competitive they are, but they do have a lot of high level recruiting. They have a really really good freshman class last year. That's the Pepperdine Waves. Uh, they had Houston Millette, Maxwell Lewis, 
really, really good young core for Lorenzo Romar. We know that yeah. he has always been somebody uh, worth keeping an eye on on the recruiting trail, even if it yeah. hasn't always translated on the court. Uh, they just added a, a nice forward in Javon Porter out of the class of 2022. Yeah. They also added a big man transfer from USD, USC, excuse me, Bubakar Kulabe. I uh, was wondering if you had any thoughts on those guys and, and kind of what they're bringing to the table uh, over uh, in Pepperdine. Yeah, well, Bubakar is kind of like a warrior, right? He's yeah. raw offensively, but he's a warrior on the defensive end. Yeah. He, that's where he's going to make his money, uh, mm-hmm. you know, just cleaning things up. You know, yeah. he's got good hands, but you're not going to give him the ball and he's not going to do the Hakeem Olajuwon. Like, he's not, right. he's not that, you know. Yeah. But he's a big, a good piece defensive, mm-hmm. defensively for sure. Got definitely a defensive presence. And mm-hmm. he's a great rebounder in his space. Like, he's yeah. – um, Somewhat agile, but um, definitely a project on the offensive end. But not, don't get me wrong; I'm not saying he's don't throw him the ball. I don't, you know, there are some guys. Um, he's not one of them. Like he can finish plays, and he can he thrives on putbacks, and he's very active down there. Yeah, um, yeah. you know. But I really like Javon too. You know, six mm-hmm. ten, very versatile, active rebounder. He's great off that second jump. He's you know, you know, the first putback, the second putback. He's great there. Defensive presence for sure because he's really long at six ten. I think his wingspan is like seven three, wow. which is crazy. Um, but he can score in the low post, and then he's inside out. Like he, you have to respect the perimeter jump shot because he's knocking that down. Yeah. Um, so he's definitely going to be a guy who um, Romar is going to be able to use immediately. Yeah. Immediately. I expect him to have a big impact this year. All right, Jason and I are going to come back in the second segment. We're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk more broadly about just how we evaluate head coaches as recruiters and kind of what goes into determining whether a coach is a good recruiter or not. But before we do that, I want to tell you all about underdog fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by underdog fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college basketball season. Underdog fantasy is easy to play and you can win cold, hard cash in just one single game. Underdog has investment backing from Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and more, and they have always been focused on building superior products for a fun user experience. And let me tell you, using Underdog Fantasy is easy, and most importantly, it's fun. So sign up today and use promo code LOCKEDON, and Underdog will double your first deposit of up to $100. So deposit $100 today and get $100 free at underdogfantasy.com. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code LOCKEDON to get in on the action today. All right, segment two, still Eddie Patton, still locked on Zags, still chatting here with the great Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated. Jason, I kind of wanted to to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Recently, the Field of 68 did a a ranking of the top 20 head coach recruiters in all of college basketball. It caused some controversy, which, you know what, when you're making college basketball content in August and September, it's okay to cause a little bit of controversy, get some conversation going. But it kind of made me think about how do we judge particularly head coaches because Mm – they're not always the ones doing a lot of the recruiting. Like Tommy Lloyd was on this list. Mark Few was not on this list. That was part of what caused the controversy in uh, in Spokane, at least. Uh, but, you know, Tommy did a lot of the recruiting for Mark Few. So certainly there's maybe an argument there. But yeah. I'm curious for you, like, just before we get into any of the nitty gritty, when you are thinking about head coaches as recruiters, what are the things that stand out to you, the qualities that stand out that make a good head coach recruiter? Well, number one, to your point, um, when Tommy would bring bring the guys in, you know, Tommy's a guy mm-hmm. who would make connections and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's kind of more of a 
associate mm-hmm. head coach, assist top assistant mm-hmm. role. But for me, as, as a head coach, are you a closer? You're right. right. I got coach. I set it up. And, you know, I threw mm-hmm. you the lob, coach. I need you to dunk. You know, yep. I'll tell you who was masterful as enemy. And he's a legend. You know? yeah. <laughs> he's a legend. But Mike Krzyzewski was legendary. Yeah. Like, I have so many stories from recruits talking about, yeah. oh, that didn't even go there. But they mm-hmm. were like, yeah, I was just going to Duke for the visit. Like, yeah. But yeah, I was about to commit. When he, when he talked, like he yeah. talked, I mean, I guys that went to Carolina, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? We're like, oh, I'll, I'll give you one. Gigi Jackson, yeah, told me when he heard Coach K speaking, mm-hmm. he literally said his hands were shaking, <laughs> like, like literally shaking. He was like, yo, I yeah. looked at them and they were shaking, <laughs> right? So, when you, you know, what how I gauge it is your A, your ability to close, right? right? Because at the end of the day, they serve them up for you mm-hmm. and you got to come on, man, you got to knock this thing out the park. Right. Yeah. You know, then you have to be what, how, what helps you close. You got to be relatable. Yeah. You know, you have to find, uh, you know, uh, common ground with these guys and you have to be able to speak to um, what they deem to be important, but as it falls within your system, you know, and then, so you have to be a great salesman. We talk about right. Randy Bennett selling the system, you know right. what I'm saying? Like you got to sell me a hey, coach, you know, cause mom's over here with the paper, like, Right. I see it. Look, my son's a scorer. Like I yeah. <laughs> don't look like yeah. that's what you do. You know, so how <laughs> how let me coach talk to me? Yeah. You're, and then so he's got to be like, yeah, you know that we haven't done that in the past. But that was because of the personnel. You right. Know, with your kid, we're definitely gonna. We were at 58 there. Oh, we're gonna definitely be above 72 a game. Right. You know, we bring your kid in because look at what he does here and there and everywhere. And you know, mm-hmm. um. So I'm sure there was. I mean, I say Aiden's a. a, a a um system guy but he's also a scorer right right looks for that shot so Mm -hmm. um you know there was some obviously some selling in that regard you know and then connections i would say um most head coaches have decent connections but a lot of them rely heavily and i do mean heavily Mm -hmm. on the connections of their assistants right you know and even on down to the DOPS. I mean, yep. you know, that's why a lot of DOPS guys get those jobs. Yeah, sure. Because of connections. I mean, it's, you know, that's life. You know, it's an old cliche. Like, it's all about relationships. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I know so many kids that go, I'll give you an example. Lavelle Moton is mm-hmm. at North Carolina Central, right? right. Um, that's an HBCU, right? They're not mm-hmm. getting five stars. Mm-hmm. They're not getting, he's not, you know, he's not out of his mind about that. Like, he, he right. understands it. They, they, he gets it. But right. everybody loves Lavelle Moton. Right. Everybody, if you follow him on Twitter, yeah, he's he's like a brand within himself. Mm-hmm. So um, he gets, you know, five star interest. Yeah, John Wall came on a visit there. Right, he calls him Unc. That's a relationship. John right. doesn't want to go to Central. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like right. Rodney right. Purvis. I don't know. I'm taking you back, but Rodney mm-hmm. Purvis was a McDonald's All American. He was gonna go. Uh, you know, MJ Wright was looking at who's at Kansas now as a freshman. Look at all because of this mm-hmm. brand that is Lavelle Moton because he has relationships. I mean, Lavelle's connected to everybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm so I'm shocked that he's still at North Carolina Central. <laughs> yeah, I bet he's due for a bigger job. Um, no shade to Central, but right. he's got connections, great connections, and so I think those things, you know, just the ability to sell, the ability to close, and then your connections. Those mm-hmm. three would be the, the key ones that I would say would mark would be the mark mm-hmm. for a big recruiter, a, an amazing recruiter. So so kind of building on that a little bit, I wonder how much 
when when you're evaluating head coach recruiters or when when other people are doing it, like how much you you look at their how how well they recruit compared to like their the size of their school or the conference that they play in or, or those kind of things. Cause like you can look at somebody like John Shire, who I believe confidently is a good recruiter, but like how much is he benefiting on like I'm recruiting at Duke, I have this built-in system, or even somebody like Tommy, who I, I'm very confident is a good recruiter, but he got to start at Arizona. Like yeah. that's a pretty big advantage versus, you know, somebody at NC Central or some of these like Absolutely. recruiters who are probably very good but are recruiting yeah. at much lower level schools. How much does that factor in? Oh, big time. I mean, yeah. you know, I'll give you a great example. Nolan Smith is at Louisville mm-hmm. now, still a big, you know, easily yeah. you can recruit it, but it's easier to recruit at Duke than it is at Louisville. That's just sure. fact, right? Yeah. So Nolan was a it is a, a star. Everyone yeah. considers Nolan to be one of the best recruiters yeah. in college basketball, but it was based off what he did at Duke. Right. Well, you know, now you're realizing that Duke was helping. You know, now mm-hmm. no, don't get it twisted. Nolan <laughs> is going to get a five star on campus every oh, week yeah. at Louisville. That's a fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's an easier sell. If it's right. Duke's a brand, I mean, you know, just mm-hmm. like Gonzaga's a brand. I mean, it's yeah. it's like, you know, I tell you, K, I tell you, K used to, this was K's sales point. Yeah. He would say this, like, yeah, if you come here, we're going to win a national title. If you don't right. come here, we're going to win a national title. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, talk about the brand selling itself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I definitely would weigh it heavier Yeah. Uh, for a guy at a smaller school that is, you know, reeling mm-hmm. them in. Yeah, that because that, to my point, that makes you an amazing salesperson, <laughs> right? Because if you can, if I can lure you to St. Mary's and not Gonzaga, yeah, um, I'm better than you, yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? How about, um, and I know it's kind of hard to separate these things because how you do on the court is not necessarily related to how you recruit, but obviously there there's at least some parallel. And I'm thinking, and I, I don't mean to drag this guy, but I'm thinking of, of the Oregon Ducks. I'm thinking of Dana Altman a little bit because, and they have some some benefits with with a relationship with Nike and all of that. And okay. they've gotten a lot of five-star talent. There's I don't think there's a person out there that would debate that Dana Altman is very good at recruiting, yeah, yeah. but the production on the court hasn't really been there. And a lot of these guys, these five-star guys, four-star guys, whether they've had injuries or they just haven't performed as well, or even if they did play well, the team kind of never really followed them. Do you consider that? Or are you like, you know what, we're just talking recruiting. It's not something that, but, and then at the kind of on the same coin, like eventually at some point that has to impact your recruiting. If guys are like, look, your last three, five-star guys, you know, are barely in the league anymore. Like what's going on, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely a fact. It, 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 you, I, I used to would say recruits don't care, you know, mm-hmm. I, that's, I don't know that that's true right. anymore mm-hmm. because it's all about exposure Yeah, and it's, and people want to be associated with, you know, winning, Right. You know, and, and they want to play in March. They want to know that they're going to play in March. They sure. want to know that they have a decent chance to get that at least that second weekend, mm-hmm. potentially get three to four games in in March because, you know, it's about marketing in March. I mean, yeah. there is no greater marketing month. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So um, absolutely that factors in. And if you think that uh, to to the point about selling, if you think other schools aren't using that yeah, right. against them. It's like, yeah. yeah, okay, go there, but go there and then watch me play in March. Yeah, you yeah. have a really good seat at, in your dorm. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, that's definitely a factor and um, sure. a big factor more so than it used to be, I would say. 
Makes sense. Uh, kind of the last point on that as sort of flipping it a little bit. Um, we've seen this with Gonzaga a lot and certainly other programs have done this as well, where they consistently get guys who, who are maybe not top 100 guys or, or like maybe low three-star prospects or mid-level three-star prospects. And they're mm-hmm. turning them into, into NBA lottery picks. Like Corey yeah. Kispert was not a top 100 prospect. He was a lottery pick. Um, Rui Hachimura, I know international recruiting is a little bit different, but regardless was not expected to be a top 10 pick uh, by the time his college career was up. And yet he was going back to the Randy Bennett example. Tommy Cousy was a walk-on at St. Mary's and ended up being a, I mean, he's got an exhibit 10 contract right now and was a phenomenal college basketball player. Like that's not recruiting, but how much do you think that that plays an impact? uh, And even for like Gonzaga, like they did recruit Corey Kispert. And, and so how much of that is like, do you think they got a little lucky? Is it just player development or are they, do they have eyes that are, are really seeing some kind of unlocking some things that maybe some other programs aren't seeing? Yeah. And that was another one. I'm glad you, but it's amazing. It's a great point. Um, mm-hmm. You have that eye to see the kid that's bubbling. Yeah. But hasn't, hasn't, you know, he hasn't blown mm-hmm. up yet. So it's kind of like, right. Oh my God. Oh, I hope he, I hope he doesn't go play it anymore. <laughs> exactly. he stop. Oh, he's yeah. the one. Right. So the, to have that, and, and you know that that kid happens every year, right? Oh, DJ yeah. Power, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the name that comes to mind off that. But yeah, yeah. definitely that that absolutely factors in, and then mm-hmm. it's a great selling point too, right? So to say, uh, look what we did for this kid, yeah, uh, while he was here in three or four years, you could be him, mm-hmm. and because the reality is, um, you need to be able to. That's part of the sale, the development, right? So yeah. the only thing, the only people that don't doesn't work for, I would gauge it at around the 12, the top 12 to 15. Sure. So you're not going to really sell Chet Holmgren on, you know, if you come really? here, we're going to develop you. Cause I mean, you're a little raw Chet. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Am I? <laughs> I do everything. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> Paula, Paula, I mean, you know, you can handle a ball, but we can, you know, we can teach you to be better. Eh, yeah. No, you can teach me to play harder. Right. right. Um, right. So you're not going to really sell that on the 12 to 15, even if that, even if you should be able to around that, Mm-hmm. 11 to 15 mark even if it's true that's like dude you could work you some work they don't yeah. believe in you right yeah. so they don't care what they say they're lying 15 yeah. and down they think they're one and done yeah they're gonna they have a real legitimate shot whether it's true or not at the number one pick they're gonna shake silver adam silver's hand first yeah so but you know that's only 15 people if we're talking numbers so you got 16 and back mm-hmm. to say Man, we can develop you. And yep. so, you know, we're playing the percentage game. Mm-hmm. You that had better be a major part yep. of your sales pitch. Because mm-hmm. then you can also call in the Kisper and say, Hey, tell yep. him. Yeah. Tell him what we I'm t- oh, just wait right here. Let me get him on face. Tell him. And they yep. do that all the time. All oh, the yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? Um, so a lot of times they'll come there and say, Oh man, I really like what you did with Kisper. Like, oh, did you say Kisper? Let me get him on the phone. I know. Um <laughs> I know a lot of schools, I won't even start naming them, but they mm-hmm. always, on the visit, they get their NBA players on that phone. Yeah. Well, and I think of the thing about Gonzaga too. I mean, how many teams in the country had two five-star guards on the bench last year who yeah. both stayed? Like, I don't right. think that that's, that's happening in a lot of places. And yeah. you got to think Corey Kispert and uh, Andrew Nembhard and, you know, insert any other guys who have done that at Gonzaga had to play a role there because – I would, you know, Hunter Salas and Nolan Hickman, if they'd started their careers in another program, I'm not sure they'd still be there. I can't. It's so funny. I, I don't know if you've been talking to the coaches, but they yeah. definitely said that to somebody. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Caden. Yeah. Because they told me or Wesley. Yeah. I've heard that this summer. They said, have, 
exactly what you just said. Yeah. That was your point. That's a sale. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. real. It's like, hey, yeah. I'm not lying. They're here. There they yeah. go, right there. And they didn't, they were, yeah. they came off the bench mm-hmm. and they're here. And yeah. Because you know what? They know what's coming. They know what we're, how we're going to develop them. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, that would sell me as a dad. So mm-hmm. it would sell me as a recruit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hunter Salas participated in the Formula Zero camp with Damian Lillard and and Caden Cooper was there. And I'm like, this had to be this had to be helpful to have that conversation of like, hey, look, I was a top 10 recruit. I I didn't become a one and done, but I'm here. I'm ready. And like Hunter's going to explode in year two. And if he does, like you got to think that's going to help a lot with some of those kids who, who are thinking about that. All right, Jason, last question before I let you go. Uh, the NCAA finally made some movement, did something with regards to the transfer portal. We've talked a handful of times on the show about how how chaotic it has been in year one. And we've seen this, this 60-day transfer portal window come out uh, for basketball. It's going to be starting on the Monday after Selection Sunday as if. We need more madness in March. It's going to be a crazy, crazy time with all these kids uh, kind of entering the transfer portal and having this amount of time to do it. Uh, I'm curious, you know, we've talked a little bit about what the transfer portal is doing to like junior college kids and international recruiting and some of the impacts it's had. Do you see this as a positive thing or at least just a, a good sign that the NCAA is is paying some attention and is doing something here or kind of? thoughts on this action well we're going to give them a little credit for doing something right (laughs) i don't know i don't see how 15 more days is gonna help yeah uh drop this this inordinate number um i i like i've said in the past up here i you know it's gonna it's gonna get the the number i'm looking at 2000 yeah i'm looking Mm -hmm. at 2000 that's that's my mark um yeah you know, you give them two more weeks. <laughs> oh, sheesh. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how extending it helps. It may, maybe they think they'll they'll think it through a little more and, mm-hmm. and realize they don't need to. I, maybe that's the logic. Other than that, I I got. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think this helps. Just yeah. going to be all the way honest. Sorry, NCAA. Mm-hmm. I don't think it helps. I don't. I, yeah. You got to help me out with how that helps. Yeah, and I think for me, like trying to time it with the NBA draft seems like something that should be a priority. And, and as I understand it here, it's, it's not really helping with that, no. but like we talked on the show about Gonzaga and they were very fortunate to land Efton Reed, who I think is going to be a, an impactful yeah. player for them, but like, they were struggling to get bigs because they didn't know what was going to happen with Drew Timmy. And it doesn't seem like, again, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't see how this change really impacts that. And to me with more players potentially making a decision to stay in college, because of NIL opportunities, because the NBA doesn't like those big, the, the bigs like Drew Timmy and Oscar yeah. Shubway and Armando Baycott and those guys, like more of those guys are going to stay. And if that's happening and these kids can't transfer because they don't know, like that just seems like a problem to me. And I, I wish yeah. they would have addressed that. And it feels like they didn't. It, they didn't. And I, I'll tell you, I did. A, I feel like we're going to have I did a, a big story uh, mm-hmm. this spring or yeah. probably actually it was summer on Josiah Jeffers, who's at Radford, which probably nobody knows. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, not no shade to Josiah, but he he understands. Sure. I mean, he's at Radford. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, yeah. And it was really like a cautionary tale about the transfer portal and mm-hmm. how guys think the grass is greener yeah. and you get out there and it's like. Oh, I thought all the offers were coming. Wait, yeah, they're not coming. So no calls today. Yeah, three weeks later, no calls. Oh God, mm-hmm. now I got to go back to my school 
yeah. where I was on scholarship. Oh no, my coach left. What? <laughs> now I got to yeah. go beg this new coach to let me mm-hmm. come. And the new coach says, yeah, and you can mm-hmm. pay for it. Well, yeah. Yeah. So he had to, he went from scholarship to getting a job. Yeah. To paying for college and right. working his way. And it worked out for him because he got back on the team. It really humbled him. And, you know, in the mm-hmm. end, you know, things work out the way they're supposed to work out. But they don't have to go that way. And right. I think with more time, you're going to have more guys saying, you know, I, you know what? I think I could pick up some offers. And these guys mm-hmm. didn't get the guy they wanted. So they probably are waiting for me. And right. I'm telling you, it sounds crazy, but these kids really think like that because yeah, sure. nobody's honest. Nobody's yeah. honest. Like mm-hmm. nobody's realistic about their projection. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know why people don't understand that there is a certain amount of NBA players. Yeah. You know, uh, there's only been a few thousand that have ever played in the NBA. I don't know. Right. Yeah. We've all heard these things and it doesn't oh, stick. Yeah. So um, more time, I don't believe is a good thing. I yeah. One instance where more time is not a good thing. You know? Yeah, sure. I don't see it. Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show once again. Uh, always appreciated to have your expertise, your insights. Uh, looking forward to to more opportunities as we hopefully start to see a little bit more action with Gonzaga's recruiting uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, but again, always appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. That is going to do it for me today. we got another fun guest coming up later this week. We're also going to continue our NBA season preview series as well. Check out the website, scorezagscore.com, for more written content all about Gonzaga. And, of course, check out the shows coming later this week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Available on YouTube as well. Go hit that big orange subscribe button if you haven't done so yet. Trying to get to 1,000 subscribers before the start of the college basketball season. We are very close, but if you are listening and haven't done so yet, just go hit that subscribe button. It is much appreciated. Finally, thank you again to all of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet, but you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.